What's your breakup song? Let me tell you something. Okay, the Summer Walker Still Over It album came out at the right time. Fourth baby mama. But I'm not a baby mama. He doesn't have any baby mamas. But when she says, I wanna start with your mama, she should have whooped you. I felt that. <laughs> like it just hit different for me. I don't know what it was. Hello there, lovers and friends, and welcome to Lovers and Friends, a podcast about intimacy. We talk about sex, love, dating, and relationships of all kinds. Why? Because this is what I deeply care about, and if you're here, I'm guessing you do too. I'm a sexologist, a graduate psychology student, and journalist that you might know from Netflix's Too Hot to Handle, Sexology with Sham Boudram, or you might know me as Bumble's sex and relationship expert, or or you might know me as one of the nominees for an Ambi in the relationships and wellness category for lovers and friends. Yes, my good people, the people who've been rocking with me from the jump from October the 5th, we were nominated for our first podcast award within our first six months. And I just wanted to say thank you so much for that. But however you found me or this podcast, just know by the end of it, we're gonna be a whole lot closer. Each episode, we begin with some us time where you and I frame the discussion we're about to dive into. Then I invite on a guest to share their experiences and ahas with the topic. This episode's guest is Cami Crawford. And finally, I have a reflective conversation about everything that was said with someone I admire or someone I'm very close with. Today, that's my bestie, Amber's Closet. Speaking of this episode, let's get into it. Socially, we've been taught to pity, and in some cases, judge those who've recently gone through a breakup. But instead, should we be celebrating newly single people? And maybe even aspiring to be more like them. Let me tell you something. And this is important, because someday one of your friends is going to get divorced. It's going to happen. And they're going to tell you, don't go, Sorry. That's a stupid thing to say. It really is. First of all, you're making them feel bad for being really happy, which isn't fair. Lovers and friends. Lovers and friends. I'm going to take you on a trip, baby. I don't pretend. I say, lovers and friends. Uh, I'm going to hold you down, down to the end. I say, in hindsight, I began my interview with Cammy in a way that some people might find strange or even offensive. Are you still broken up? You said forever. Forever. It's over. And I messaged you like, yes. Mm-hmm. And not because I, I don't know your partner. I don't know uh-huh. anything about your guys' relationship at all. Yeah. I, I was excited because I love breakups. I think they're fun. What? For example, if you've ever gone through the hell that a breakup can put you through. After my hardest breakup, I felt lost. There were so many days that I felt so lonely, so many evenings, so many weekends. That breakup broke me. After my hardest breakup, I needed to cry on a daily basis. That breakup felt like grieving and it's years from now and it still feels like that. I lost a person. The worst part about the breakup was realizing that I would no longer have a part in my stepdaughter's life and realizing that I also had to break up with her as well. And I remember when I heard the door close on the way out of my apartment, I just had wished that I hadn't opened my eyes that morning. I wish that I hadn't woken up. Or if you're in a place where you don't and can't fathom a world where you'll go through one again, the concept that we should be more excited or even envious of someone else's split might seem weird. Furthermore, if you're an avid listener of this podcast, it might seem like I'm going back to my old, you don't need them, loyalty is for losers, no round trip tickets round here because we choose when we need to leave ways. Despite this decree that I made on the I do, think about divorcing you episode. And I recognize in myself that I am on that journey of moving away from fear to love. And so I wonder if at this point in my life, keeping the option to divorce alive and kicking in my realm of possibilities, if it's a form of self-love and self-protection or self-sabotage, and I'm gonna be honest with you, I am afraid of letting go of fear. Wish me luck. (laughs) What else is there to say? So let me explain. What I love about breakups is that they provide an immediate call to action for a personal breakthrough. Now, of course, A, you don't need a breakup to be inspired to undergo a major personal breakthrough, but we can't deny that big life-altering events are powerful catalysts. B, Not all breakups end up being breakthroughs. 
In fact, many of them are the exact opposite. They're demolitions that can take years, sometimes more years than somebody has, to recover from. But when I encounter people who go through breakups, I like to speak to them and imagine for them that this event, although presently awful, is the start of wonderful new beginnings. So if you are currently going through it or know somebody who is, listen close to this episode because together, I believe we can change the culture of breakups using these tried and tested science-based methods. Let's get into them. But first, let's take a break for this. I did that on purpose to be annoying. Don't you hate when the news does that? There's five things you're doing right now that are poisoning you. And if they don't kill you in the next three minutes, we'll let you know after the break. All right, getting back on track. So are you ready to learn about the three ways you can turn your breakups into breakthroughs? Way number one, studies suggest that you first need to negatively reappraise your ex. So yeah, that shit on them phase is not toxic. It's actually healthy if it's just a phase. During this phase, you need to be clear about three things. As a matter of fact, make three lists. List one, why my ex is not my kind of person. List two, why I'm not my ex's kind of person. List three, why who I am and who my ex is does not lend itself currently to the best partnership. Let me give you examples using an old relationship of mine. Okay, so why my ex is not my kind of person. They were committed to a victim mentality, which made it very rare and far too difficult for them to ever take accountability. Why I'm not my ex's kind of person. They were looking for a siren seductress who has pristine physical upkeep and a mysterious flirtatious aura. And that's just not me. Why who I am and who my ex was does not lend itself to the best partnership. They had a bad temper and I had slash have very, very sharp wit, which of course is a nice way of me saying that I can come up with the meanest shit to say about somebody at a moment's notice. And those two flaws together, your list should be a whole lot longer, but the ability to clearly identify why it didn't work from all angles will help you to both get over your ex while simultaneously positioning you to align yourself with a better partner in future. Side note, in another episode, let's definitely go more in depth into strategies for getting over your ex. For now, we're focusing on breakthroughs. Okay, so the second step in turning your breakup into a breakthrough is self-compassion. When you're going through a breakup, it can be tempting to indulge in negative self-talk. I'll never find love again. I'm gonna be alone forever. My ex was the best I will ever get. But in doing so, you can actually validate these untruths during a critical time when you need support the most. A good exercise to help you cultivate more self-compassion is love reappraisal. Redefine both what love is and what it means to be in love with your ex. To hit that first step, depersonalize the feeling and understand the science of attachment. Read about humans as pair bonders, love as an evolutionary function, love as a motivational drive, love as a neurological condition. Again, another episode, I would live to dive all up in this realm. Anybody who's heard me on another podcast knows my March of the Penguins analogy. In the harshest place on earth, love finds a way. We'll take a pause on that, but here's a really quick analogy to help frame what I'm trying to say. Imagine your friend is trying to quit smoking and they're struggling. So they come to you and they say, I think I'm going to get back together with cigarettes because I can't stop thinking about them and I can't stop missing them, which must mean that we're twin flames and we're destined to be together. And then you probably would respond, no, I don't think it's that. I think that nicotine is just addictive. Now there's flaws in that analogy, but what I mean to say is we're raised to believe that love is a magical feeling. And while that isn't untrue, the magic isn't the attachment we call love, which everybody's gonna experience. It's in the rare choosing to love someone who you like, who genuinely likes you, and most importantly, makes you like yourself in reflection of your bond. With this in mind, you can give yourself compassion for loving someone who did not totally fit that criteria. Studies show that saying things aloud like, it's okay to love someone I'm no longer with, or it's normal to miss someone that I know I'm better off without, or 
Changing my mind on how I feel about someone doesn't mean that I was wrong. It means based on new facts, I'm pivoting to what's my new right. Instead of fighting or loathing ourselves for how we feel, it can help to manage emotional responses and lead to faster recovery if we give ourselves self-compassion. And that opens the gateway to step number three. Focus on the relationships that help you thrive. Lean into the people who bring meaning and joy to your life. Nourish those relationships and ask, how can you show up for them in ways that you might've been overlooking? Now, I hope you're thinking what I'm thinking. To make this step truly impactful, start with the most important relationship of all, the one with yourself. To make your breakup a breakthrough, first ask yourself, how can I show up for me in ways that are pretty obvious, but previously I believe they weren't possible or accessible. Then when you gain the capacity, lend this outward to your outer loving circle. Then when you really feel confident in your ability to maintain healthy connections, extend this energy into new worthwhile ones. That step right there, that's what makes breakups magical. We need to stay doing this. And as I'm saying it, I'm like, oh shit, Shambhu Dram, you know, you have to do this step for yourself specifically now, but we'll talk about this more at the end of the episode. Right now, we need to talk to Cammie. Cammie Crawford is the host of MTV's Catfish and former Miss Teen USA. Cammie is also the host of her very own popular podcast called Relationship, amazing name, which is talking about all things relationship advice. A few years ago, Cammie went public with her own relationship. And as you will hear Cammie tell it, they were in it for the long haul. That is until late last year when Cammie announced her breakup on her podcast Relationship. Now, she's about to walk us through the highs, the lows, and the hell no's that led to the split. Today, I wanted to start the episode to ensure that I was mm-hmm. up to date. And mm-hmm. so I said, are you still broken up? And you said, forever. Forever. It's over. And I messaged you like, yes. Mm-hmm. And not because I, I don't know your partner. I don't know uh-huh. anything about your guys' relationship at all. Yeah. I, I was excited because I love breakups. I think they're fun. Yeah. I think that it's a fresh start. I think that fire burns, but it also clears space Mm -hmm. and it creates opportunity for new growth. And I just know a lot of my biggest progresses, a lot of my biggest epiphanies came after breakups. So I just, I just know what they can inspire and I'm excited for people who get to have that. Yeah. You know, this one, this breakup was the hardest. I think it was probably the second hardest thing I've ever had to go through in my entire life. Like in my adult life. Like moving to LA was one very traumatic event for me because I never thought that I would move across the country. But the breakup, I legit thought that I was going to have to be hospitalized. Like I was like, I am losing my mind. Like I felt crazy. I feel like, you know, it is a binary thing, but I feel like as women, like we know when it's not right. Like we know, but we'll still try. And like, you know, we'll still have the conversations and be like, well, maybe. And then you have to kind of undo and unlearn and unthink and unfantasize about the things that like your life was supposed to be with this person. Even up to like baby names. Like we had talked about all these things because this was where we were headed at the time. So to think about like not having these things felt and feels for a lot of people who are going through breakups, it just feels like really empty. Cause it's like, what, where, where am I going to fill this space and with who and what? And so I think that we do a lot of that where we know something isn't right, but we still keep trying to like make it right. Yes, of course. Cause you've made the investment. It's right. like that, um, casino slot machine syndrome. Mm-hmm. I don't want to get up and leave this slot machine. Mm-hmm. Cause I've already put in so much quarters. And if I get up next person is going to come and put in 50 cents and hit the jackpot. Yeah. But I think when you've done the work that you've done on yourself and you're in therapy and you're strikingly stunning and so successful, when I hear you say these questions, like what's going to be the person and when am I going to meet them and how are we going to connect? And I'm just like, my tone in hearing that is like, who's the next person going to be and what's it going to happen and what's my life going to look like? It feels (laughs) exciting and fresh and open. And especially if we have that feeling of this isn't right, because a lot of people have that feeling Mm -hmm. and just keep going. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean- I think we both towards the end knew that it wasn't working out. You know, our careers changed. Um, We both grew as people. And I feel, we both feel 
that we kind of grew in different directions. I find what one of the faults is with relationships and intimacy in general is that we share the beginning. We talk about how we met, how we connected. We talk about the highs. We talk about our first vacation together, our first time meeting the family. We tell the story and then we get to the breakup and we say irreconcilable differences. Mm. You know, like I'm thinking of Megan Good and Devon Franklin who Mm -hmm. shared so much about their relationship. And then in the end, I mean, obviously for privacy reasons, but then also it leaves people who already have such a gap when it comes to intimacy education and how to build healthy relationships who have modeled and followed your relationship completely unclear as to where the pain point was or what went wrong. Yeah. So I want to ask how you broke up, but I want to ask it like this, the meeting point, the high, the low, and the no. I saw him at a party and I was like, I want him. I was also wasted off the Henny. Um, That's why I don't drink brown because (laughs) it turns me into a different person. And I went up to him and I grabbed his chains. He had like these Jesus pieces on and I grabbed them. And I was like, I like your chains. And then I just went back and sat back down. Oh my gosh. And he was shook. He was like, like literally jaw dropped. He was like, because he had noticed me at the party and told his friends that he what had noticed me. What a good story. It's a great story. I still love telling the story because it truly was like a really beautiful moment in time. But like he'd already told his friends that he saw me, but he was like, there's no way that I would have come up to you because I just wasn't in that headspace. And I was like, well, neither was I, but the Henny put me there. So here I am. So after that, we literally hung out that night and talked in like a loud club until like five o'clock in the morning. We danced and like had the, this was when um, Drake's one dance came out and we just had like the best fucking time and it was beautiful. Um, So that was, I would say the, that was the meet and that was really, really lovely. And then the high, um, I think the high was when we met each other's families and like we went on our first little kind of trip together to um, visit his family in the Bay area. And it was just like a very, it was just a very beautiful experience for both of us. And, you know, it it felt like, like this is going somewhere. And like, we both said, I love you for the first time. And it was like very, well, he said it first. And then I was like, I don't want to say it yet because you said it. Like, I want to say it on my time, on my time. Mm -hmm. And I waited a little while. And then I said it, I think that trip. Like 15 minutes later. Yeah, exactly. Okay. I love you. (laughs) okay fine same so that was like I think the high the low was definitely a few months after we both moved to LA so we we were together for five years some of them were in New York and then the rest were in LA I moved to LA first for my career I knew I had to do it it wasn't really like a a mutual decision where I was like are you gonna come or what I'm doing this because I need to but I care about you and I love you and like we'll make it work however we have to he ended up getting a job opportunity also in LA, just like it, it, it felt like a lot of things in our relationship happened by fate. So, you know, it, he ended up coming out here and it was great. And then, you know, like I said, career changes. Um, we both kind of like rose at a similar pace. I just think I handled it a little bit differently. Well, your rise was coupled with self-care mm-hmm. and with personal mm-hmm. growth. Yeah. Where maybe his, he was all consumed by the career growth. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And I think also for men, like I try to give them some grace as far as like how they feel when it comes in relation to finances. I don't think that they talk about it enough openly because you don't want to seem like a broke dude or like you don't want to seem like you don't have your shit together and like there's this pressure. So I think that, you know, for them, they think like, okay, a lot of them at least, and I'm not general, I'm not generalized, but- For a lot of them, I think it's, you know, I got to work. I got to work. I got to provide. I got to do, you know, and that pressure also takes a toll on a relationship and on a person. We talked about this. I had an episode that was about pressure to marry. And we talk about how women have this insurmountable amount of pressure to get engaged. Mm -hmm. And it feels like men today have the opposite. Mm -hmm. It's delay, delay, delay. And I had a really great aha in that episode because I had to pressure the fuck out of Jared to get married. Like- I was, it was not really? subtle at all, <laughs> literally at all. Um, You're like, we get to marry. And we were discussing it. And my brother-in-law in the episode had a really great aha for me in that the pressure is alleviated for women once they get married. 
that now, okay, I've accomplished this societal thing and mm. I'm now with a partner. We, we're going to achieve financial stability together. I feel safer and more secure. But for men, the pressure begins at marriage. Mm. Now I'm responsible for somebody else. Now I have to upkeep a family. Yeah. Now I have to appear like I have everything under control. Yeah. So why would they want to enter into, into a situation that's going to actually add to the pressure that they already feel? Yeah. And then you add kids and like a home and it, there's it's a lot. So I think that that was kind of where the low started. And then where the no began was just like character changes that it's like, is this a character, like a permanent character change? Or is this just like for the moment? Cause I am, I'm a ride or die. Like I truly, truly am. And when it comes to relationships, I'm a ride to the wheels fall off. And it really has not been, to, it's been like more to my detriment because <laughs> I like to wait for it to literally boop, like burst into flames. I want to see the particles. <laughs> like I'm not leaving until- I get a third degree. The bomb goes off and I have a third degree. And I'll be, oh, okay. Not for me. <laughs> like that. that's what it takes for me. Because I, I think I see the potential. I tend to see the potential in who the person used to be versus what I'm seeing right now. Mm -hmm. And so that's something that I'm trying to get myself out of um, because sometimes people do change and it's not even that it's a bad thing necessarily. I've definitely changed from when we first started dating, but are the changes that you're seeing good for you where you are right now? Like, mm -hmm. will it, will it help you to be able to continue your own personal growth? And for me, it wasn't. My favorite explanation for potential success of relationships or looking at relationships in terms of like, could this work is a stool. And so the four legs of a stool in a relationship are attraction. Obviously you had that from the chain story. Mm -hmm. It's this immediate, like I'm drawn to you. And that's important. It's the rocket that sets a relationship off. Then you have shared values is what matters to me, what matters to you? Mm -hmm. And how does that show up in your everyday choices? What do you prioritize? When you're given access and you're given options, what is the compass that guides you? Then there's long-term goals. What do you see for yourself down the line? Do we have shared long-term goals? And then there's lifestyle. Mm -hmm. How I want to spend my free time, is that how you like spending your free time? Mm -hmm. So in reflection to that, where do you feel, do you feel like you guys had a four, a three, two? I feel like we had a seat cushion. <laughs> we had a traction. And a slide. Okay. <laughs> That's what I felt. That's what I felt. It felt like we had a two-legged stool with one of the stems was cracked and I was underneath trying to hold it up. That's mm -hmm. how it felt by myself. I see that. Yeah, that's how it felt. And, you know, we had an honest conversation about this after the breakup and a very, very good conversation. We both left feeling very, very good about it. Um, and... I just, I said, I was like, you know, I felt like I was pouring into your cup and the cup of our relationship. And I wasn't really pouring into myself. Whereas I felt that you were just pouring into your cup and nothing was going into our relationship and nothing's going into me. So what am I, what am I left to do? And he actually opened my eyes to some things that I know in my next relationship I need to do better at. Oh, that's great news. Yeah. That's phenomenal. Yeah. He felt that at times he was being controlled. And I said, you were, <laughs> you absolutely were. And it was really me out of desperation for trying to keep our relationship on the track that we had set that anytime he would do something that I felt was not conducive to that, I'm like, we got to stay on track. Like we got to stay on track. And it, it, at times he felt like I was trying to mother him, which I probably was. Right. Like I probably was. I think it's a great reflection point too, because in relationships, we often think so much about what the other person is and what they bring to the table. And we don't think about what we want to see in ourselves. Mm -hmm. Like how do I want to be in reflection to what we share? Mm -hmm. And if who you are is great on paper, but in combination with what I know my triggers are and my tendencies or my shadows are, yeah. you bring out that worst part of me, then this is not a fit. Yeah. So I think it's important to note that, but it's probably also the... I would say collaboration of the two of you mm -hmm. that brought this side out. Because yeah, when you get to a point where you feel like I don't trust your value system or I don't trust your decision-making, I have mm -hmm. to step in and do those things for you. Yeah. But that should be a red flag to say that- It's not right. And yeah. I definitely, definitely felt that. And we also, we both agreed that we had a power shift in our relationship and like the power dynamics were, it was, it was off. 
And I told him that the reason why I personally felt that that was happening is because I felt like I was taking control so much as far as leading the relationship where we were going. I didn't feel like I could just be my like feminine self. And I felt like I was taking on more traditional masculine energy. And as like, I've talked about it in my podcast this week. Like, yeah, I might sound misogynistic, but like, that's how I felt. And at this point in my life, like I'm looking for a man to lead me mm-hmm. because I'm tired of taking the reins. Like yes. I want to, I want you to pass me every once in a while. Like you could take a nap and I'm like, oh, okay, don't take a nap. I'll, I got it. Like I'll drive the car, but I can't be at the front seat every day with the kids in the back and you over here sleeping and then you wake up and you eat a French fry and then you go back and take a nap and then you get out the car and now I'm driving by myself and then you come back in. It's like, it's too much. It's a lot, yeah. And I realized too, it's a part of my love language system. Like it literally is. Acts of service and quality time are my top two. So I'm gonna need you to take some shit off my plate. And if I feel like I'm the one who is constantly doing for our relationship, I'm not saying he wasn't doing for him because he was definitely grinding his shit out. And I appreciate that. And I think he's one of the hardest working people that I know. And men are conditioned to believe that that is the act that does support and help the family. Yes, exactly. And he said that. He was like, I knew that me working hard was going to be beneficial for you in the long run. So I'm like, she understands. She gets it. She knows, like, she knows, she knows me. But bruh. <laughs> right. It just got to the point where it was just too it Future Cammy was, was tired. Future Cammy Future was, Cammy was like luck. Exhausted. We get it might work out in the future for us, but I see you back there in the present struggling. Yeah, it's okay. Yeah. Circling back to that on that note of predicting the future, I feel like breakups can feel very heavy. And I wish I could tell people, like when I think about, I used to work with a lot of young girls in high school and they would tell me about these breakups and how crazy it made them and how hard it was. And I would be like, oh, I remember. I remember the stories. I literally wrote a short story from the perspective of the washcloth in my ex-boyfriend's bathroom because- What was up with the washcloth, Cher? This is the story. I've told the story before, but (laughs) let's go. Essentially, it was the moment that it was my high moment in the relationship. Mm. We had just had sex and Mm. I went into the bathroom with him. He washed me with the washcloth from head to toe and ended off on my ass crack, like washed it. This was in high school? No, it wasn't. It was in my early 20s. Oh, I was like, Um, he had his own place. (laughs) Where is he he at? Where is he? He ended off on my ass crack with this washcloth. And then he went to wash himself. And the first thing he washed was his tongue. And I felt like this has to be the sign oh my God. that I'm here forever. Yeah. You want to put my dirty ass in your mouth? On your mouth. You're my husband. Right. And you clearly, you're showing me that yeah. I'm, you're my wife. Yeah. And so I think from that point on, I let my guard down. Mm. And I was just like, this is it. This is my person. I mm-hmm. made scrapbooks for him. Like I did, I went all in. And then it ended up how 20 relationships end up. Same, basically I got oh. ghosted. Nonetheless- I like went a little bit like loopy after mm-hmm. that, but I have that story still. And I look back and I'm like, God damn. Mm-hmm. Like this is what being alive is about. Mm-hmm. It's the highs and it's the lows and it's knowing that you got through it. Yeah, And it's remembering those feelings and being like, wow, look where I am today. And so if I had to give myself advice back then, it's like as much as you're going through the turmoil and the shit, somewhat sit and savor in that because there's gonna be a point in time in your life that you're gonna look back and be like, I wish I could just- quickly flash you a card to show you what it's going to be like in the future. Yeah. And I love the fact that you still said the things that you guys had, those three years are still beautiful. Mm-hmm. You're not taking that away. No, no. But then I I realized that towards the end of the, the relationship, I would think back on those times and I would just cry. Cause I would be like, when is that coming back? Like, is that going to ever come back? Will we ever get back there? And you know, I think a part of me just chalked it up to like, girl, that was the honeymoon phase, an extended honeymoon phase. But like, it's not realistic for relationships to be like this all the time. But I'm, now I'm like, actually, I want somebody where it's like this forever with. I think it can. It can. Yeah. But I think the definition of what that passion looks and feels like kind of might shift and change. Like maybe it's very sexual or maybe it's very passion driven. And then maybe the level of intimacy becomes really companionate during times. But that- mm-hmm consistency of like that feeling, Mm -hmm. I think that that's entirely possible. Yeah. Um, But let me ask that question though. Are you able to sit in this pain and relish in it knowing that it's going to work out? Oh yeah. 1000%. I am actually so excited 
for the future. And I was telling my parents this and my dad was like, is you lying? I'm like, no, like that. I genuinely feel like what I'm looking for, what I keep, I keep reframing from saying what I'm looking for to what will find me. And oh, tell me about that reframe if you don't mind. Yeah. So I, I made a list in my phone and I, I titled it what I'm looking for in a man. And then I thought about it and I was like, but this isn't like what I'm looking for. Like this is going to find me because this is what I want. This is what I deserve. This is what I need. God knows that. The universe knows that. The stars know that. So it's going to find me. Mm-hmm. So I literally changed the title. I was like, man, delete, delete, backstage, backstage. <laughs> I was like, delete all that shit. Like what will find me is a man that is this and that. And, you know, it it was a very specific list, but also very not. And I think that what is on the list is going to come to me. He's going to find me. He's there. I love that. I love it because my initial thought was, oh, are you saying that you want to be in the passenger seat of this part of your life? And it's kind of that thing, like you went and approached your ex. I Mm -hmm. love that because it's a major part of your life, your livelihood, your legacy. So why would you put yourself in a position to wait for that person to Mm -hmm. approach you? But instead it's like, not that. It's like, I'm going to put myself out there. I'm going to live. I'm going to exist, but I'm not going to hang my hopes on each person to say like, I have to look for this Mm -hmm. person. That person will find me. Exactly. He's just waiting for me to go to wherever the hell he's at. <laughs> he's just <laughs> waiting for me to cross by on the street or like meet at the same weird coffee shop or something like that. Like he's there. So I think that that excitement is like really, really great. And I've never, I'm not a dater. Like I've never dated. So I'm excited and scared of that, if I'm being honest, because like the thought of sitting across from somebody for like, two hours is what you do for a living on a podcast. Right. (laughs) But like a man that like, I know I should hopefully want to have sex with me. And like, I should hopefully want to have sex with him. Like we're just gonna, what are we talking about? I mean, this is what you do for a living. So you are in a unique position to know exactly what to talk about and you're an interviewer. So everyone's favorite topic is themselves. And you always learn something. You always learn more when you listen more. So I always always went on dates on that perspective of like, let me find the one thing about that person that I think is interesting. Cause Mm -hmm. even if I don't want to see him again, at least I learned about manufacturing in China. Anyhow, that to be said, we're excited for the future. I'm excited for you. Okay, let's end this off with, do you know Begin Again? No. Okay, we have to end with that. Where's my goddamn phone? (laughs) Like we have to play it. You have your phone? In a cafe, I watched it begin again. Hey, that's it. I love it. That's it. It's so good. On a fucking Wednesday in a cafe, I watched it begin again. Mm. Come on, Taylor. Cammy, thank you so, so much. For everybody else, I just want to reiterate because Cammy was super candid about her unresolved feelings around the split. It is completely normal and healthy as per our conversation about negative reappraisal to vocalize your disappointments about an ex as you try to make sense of a life without that person. Even if you do choose to get back together, this can be a very healthy step because you've identified growth markers and created accountability. You, of course, do not have to do this publicly, but I am so insanely grateful to Cami for choosing to do so here and on her podcast relationship so people can see the process modeled. Cami, you are who you are and where you are because you decline PR responses in favor of illumination and healthy conversation. I adore you for that. And if that's your vibe too, listener, go follow Relationship so you do not miss an episode when it drops every Friday. You can also follow her on Instagram at Cami Crawford. Okay, let's keep things moving. When considering who should be in my lovers and friends debrief chat, one name came to mind, Amber Whittington, who you might know as at Amber's Closet. 
Amber is a content creator, an activist, a budding politician, an actress, and is well known as one of the leading voices fighting for equality for the LGBTQ plus and black communities. On a personal note, Amber is also one of Ryu's godmothers. And on a super, super personal note, which we're going to hear all about, Amber has recently ended a long-term on and off situationship with an ex and began a relationship with a woman she considers to be her life partner. When I asked her what was different this time around, she mentioned how much she connected to what Andrea Lewis said on episode 19, Dating in Your 20s. He was the only person I'd ever dated who I would think all the time, I hope we get married and not based on him, just me wanting to be chosen, but just because I was happy in the moment and just, just very grateful. Like... And when we started dating too, he used to always say, still does, we have a good life together. I hung out with Amber to get her take on the interview with Cami. But before we get to that, let's get to this. So I ended that interview off with Cami and I played the song Begin Again for her. And I played it for her aspirationally. Like one day you're going to look back at all the pain and the hurt that you're going through right now. And you're going to be like, it was for a reason because it allowed space in my life for this new connection. Mm -hmm. And I brought you here because you're in that place. I can honestly say I'm with my person, you know, the love of my life, the person that I am supposed to be with and the love, I guess I've been waiting for forever. And the craziest thing about it is that this was somebody that's been around me for years and somebody that I loved and I cared about. And we were going through a lot of things that we went through as friends. And now we're more than friends. <laughs> How do you know that this is your person? Like what makes it different? I always used to think every time somebody said that damn TV line, like when you know, you know, you know what I'm saying? And I was always like, shut the f- yeah, I don't want to hear that. It's real. It just clicks. It just flows. My word is harmony for us. We have harmony. Flow is a word that I love because this book that I listened to called Flow, but um, harmony is a great word too. Thank you. But the heart of that really is, is that when you're with the person that the work is there, but it's not arduous. It's not backbreaking work. It's not heartbreaking work. It's, if anything, joyful work. Mm Kind of like when you know you're in the right job. Yeah. And I feel like you now exist in flow because you know this, every time that we talk about your relationships up until maybe- the past few months, yeah, I've always been like, what's the update? Right. What's the drama? And you're like, well, we went away for the week <laughs> and it ended up being only a night because da, 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 da. And then so-and-so, right. like there was always a story. Yeah. And now if I said, Amber, what's the update? Happiness. I'm good. Cammie said this on the podcast and it really struck home. She said towards the beginning that she was fighting in relationship because she saw the potential in the relationship because of who they used to be. And that's me. I mean, the thing that I can say confidently that I really just did wrong in all my relationships is that I stayed way too long. And that was the biggest reason why is because, you know, at the beginning, it's so good, the honeymoon stage, and you guys are like putting on this good face of like, oh, this is who I am, or um, this is who we can be together or whatever. And this happiness that doesn't last, right? But then I kept fighting for to get that moment back, right? I'm like, oh no, I saw where we could be. So let me just keep fighting because eventually we can get back to this. And eventually was too long. Looking back at it now, I didn't care about myself. I didn't know my worth. I shouldn't have kept fighting for something if the other person wasn't fighting with me. I can't fight by myself. That's what Cami had mentioned too of like, I don't want to feel like I'm in the car by myself. Ooh, yeah. Or I look over at you, you're taking a nap. Mm. And you wake up to take a little snack, then you're back to sleeping. And I'm back to navigating this all by myself. Okay. In your past relationship, which is a very public relationship, you guys had a YouTube channel together. You had a formal breakup online. So yeah. you've ordered, this is not like breaking news right. to anybody. But I watched my friend go through one of the longest most dramatic breakups ever. Yeah. It didn't start off that way. It started off very clean because you guys lived together and you moved out. Yeah. And you found your own spot, which was far away. You didn't like move across the street. Like you definitively moved out. The place you got to me was the perfect bachelor pad to begin again, but you really didn't. Mm -hmm. Why? I did have the intentions when we first moved out that we just needed space. 
I realized that whatever she was going through, I couldn't help her through it. And it wasn't me because for a while I'm like working on the relationship thinking that I'm doing something wrong or there's more that I can do to make us happy. But ultimately I realized that she needed the space to go through the journey on her own. And so when I moved out, I originally thought that we could just take some space and date again. So when I got shut down, it was like another heartbreak all over again. So it's like a brand new beginning, but I had to really work through a lot of emotions that I was feeling on, wow, I lost my person that I thought that I was going to be with for the rest of my life twice at this point, right? And so I had to push through all the that emotion and some underlining stuff that I found out about that I had to really do work on myself and get myself to realize that the things that I was asking for were not too much, right? I was just asking the wrong person. And also some self-work that I needed to do by realizing some of the issues I was having on and some of the emotion was actually some like childhood trauma I had to work through. So there was a lot going on there. It felt overwhelming. But once I like really grabbed a hold of my emotions and allowed myself to feel those things, I worked through it smoothly. I love that you said that because one of my favorite things about what Cammie said was the accountability she took on. Mm. Of like, I realized I became somebody in this relationship in reflection to what we had that I didn't like. Oh, yeah. Or that I wasn't down for. Mm -hmm. But then she also talked about, because sometimes people are like, oh, it's just you. You pull out the worst in me. But then you have to really reflect on like, well, why is this part of me even accessible? And then to get the answers to that question, you often need help. So for you, it wasn't a matter of, I broke up with this person and they just weren't the right person for me. And then la, 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 I've magically met the right person. Tell me about that in-between time that prepped you for the relationship that you're in now. First of all, what Cammie said of like showing a different side of herself that she didn't like, I definitely been to that point because when you give so much of yourself, you end up losing yourself, especially when you're the only one fighting that fight. Right. And so I did take a step back in a lot of the situations that we went through, looked from the audience and just didn't like what I saw of myself and how I was reacting. And that's how I made the connection of saying, oh, this is some inner work that I got to do and some stuff from my mom. You know what I'm saying? Like, and working through all that and then putting myself out there, that was the hardest thing too, is like, I didn't have any confidence left. Like after that breakup, it really hurt my heart, but it hurt my confidence. And I didn't even know how I was gonna make the step into trying again, but I did it. I threw myself out there and I went on some dates. A lot of them were terrible, but what I realized is I learned the most about myself from those random terrible dates. Yes. Right, like literally, like <laughs> they the were so reassuring. Like at High Hello, somebody was offering a love language that I really wanted or needed or was yearning for from my past partners that they didn't give me. And if somebody can give me this at high hello on our second date, it gave me some reassurance that my list of things that I want or need from a lover or a partner are in fact feasible. I love that you said that because a lot of people, like it's the fact that they have to go and start all over again that makes them stay longer because mm. it takes so much energy to get to know somebody and to get past all those awkward phases and being like, yo, I got to start all over again. So to hear that for you, the starting was in many ways, like the most fruitful, I think is really encouraging. Yeah, it, it was actually inspiring for me to do things opposite of how I normally do it. And I was going into it like I'm gaining something from this experience. I'm not supposed to be with this person forever. If you go into every date like that, you're I think you're starting off on the wrong foot, right? It's because you're not opening yourself up enough to like see what you could gain from this person because not everybody is forever. Is that Mr. or Mrs. right now, right? And so for a lot of those right nows on this one date, five dates, three months, or whatever it is, I'm gaining something from this experience. I needed to change my mindset, which is something that Cammie said, right? I can't go out and search for something, right? Instead, let's work on myself. And, and then so I started manifesting what the ideal partner looks for me. Like, what does my perfect lover look like, right? What does she embody? What are some characteristics and personality traits that I really would enjoy or that I think would mesh with me in a harmonious way? And bring way? out the best in you. Right, uh, period. And so I started just like kind of sitting on that and saying, I'm not going to search for this. When the universe wants to provide me with this beautiful human, I'm going to be ready. And I want to clarify, because I know some people right now are watching this like, yes, I knew it. I could just stay home nah. and the right person is going to find me. Like it's going to be the UPS person knocking at the door. And to clarify, we're not saying that you took a passive approach. Instead, 
you were more mindful about where you spent your time and the kind of people you were around. Mm -hmm. And you were also just not out here searching, but you were visible. Absolutely. And you can't find love in the club, right? Because I knew some Although qualities. Although I did meet Jared at a club. You did, actually. Technically, like, I met him. He didn't meet me. Yeah. He doesn't remember meeting me, but I did see him first in the club, and then I followed him. And then I waited a year after researching him, to be like, is he a club dude or is he worth my time? Oh, right. Yeah. I actually did meet my partner at the club. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But we didn't approach each other like that. Yeah. You know, um, it was going to all the other events together of, you know, the self-growth, the empowerment, the community of amazing black people in this in, in L.A. It was those type of things where we were able to like really bond and be like, oh, we have the same ethics and morals and likes and dislike. We're in alignment, period. Take me back to your lowest point mm. in your breakup. It was moving into my new place and being on the couch and not being able to move for a couple of days, just like crying and all of my emotions and just like depressed because I felt like my life was over. Like, I don't know, like somehow I lost my chance at love and I lost my person because I don't know. I just kept putting it in my mind that maybe I didn't fight enough when it wasn't my issue. And so I'm just like laying there, super depressed, no confidence, heartbroken, just not knowing how to move forward. Do you have a moment in mind that you would flash to yourself as you're on that couch crying, no confidence, in despair, in fear that you had lost your shot at real love? I think it's dancing in the kitchen. That's really what it is. I feel like if you and your partner can just wake up and be so happy that you're dancing in the kitchen while one's doing dishes and one's cooking and you can just look at each other and smile, like, I think that those moments for me, those little moments, like, wow, I could be in this forever. What song is playing? Sade. Either Cherish the Day or No Ordinary Love. You were ready for that moment. Okay, because that's every morning. For real. Great job. We're done. <laughs> <laughs> Ambi, my Hamburglar, Amber's Closet. Thank you so, so much. Amber needs to start her own podcast and she knows that, but she's constantly working on incredible projects and to keep up to date, Amber said the best ways to do so is to follow her on Instagram and that is at Amber's Closet. If TikTok is your preference, she's Amber's Closet 33 over there. Also, while you're doing the follow thing and you're on Instagram, uh, follow Cami Crawford, which is spelled K-A-M-I-E Crawford. Also, wherever you're listening to this podcast right now, go and search up Relationship. That's Cami's podcast. You want to follow that so you do not miss the next episode coming out on Friday. All right. So I said to you that I realized that I needed a breakthrough in my life. And the truth is that's because I need, I need to do a few breakups. The number one breakup that I, I need to do, is I need to break up with first trimester me. Um, first trimester me was sick and tired and unmotivated and really not all that great to my relationships, my daughter included. You know, I, I think I did and I gave what I could and I gave the most that I could in that particular relationship, but I was just really tired and very crabby and just very unenergetic. So now I'm into week 15, week 16 by the time you hear this, week 16 of my pregnancy and I am feeling better. And I want to take that and start doing something with it. So I signed up for a kid-friendly gym so that I can spend the evenings with her doing physical activities, something that I have not done literally at all. And then I also signed up for this um, meal prep program called Sakara Life. They actually sent me free meals a minute ago and they were so healthy that I couldn't do it. But I've just been eating so poorly and really just neglecting Nutrition, which I feel extreme guilt about because I'm growing a life inside of myself. And so it's not just myself who's being impacted by my negative eating, but when you're in um, a down state, it just feels good to eat comfort foods. And it feel, felt good to eat whenever 
I was eating. I didn't feel nauseous. I would feel nauseous immediately after chewing, but in the process of eating. So I found that I like, I kept at that, which, you know, I, I don't fault myself for my last pregnancy. Actually, my doctor kind of got on me for the weight gain that I put on first trimester. And so this time around, I had a phone call with her and I was just really upfront. And I was like, I just want to be clear. Like, I know you're not technically supposed to gain weight first trimester, but I have, and I need you to know that that was the healthiest thing for me. And, you know, she understood, which was nice. And so I took the guilt off of myself by just taking ownership and also being aware that, yeah, like it's time for me to break up with that lifestyle. And um, I really need to start pouring back into my relationships. And sometimes pouring into relationships also means making major changes. Like there is a couple of relationships. And I think I'll talk about this in a future podcast, specifically around work that we just have to reconfigure. So everybody is in their best position. And now that I'm in a better position for me, I can start to focus on the needs of others. And I really, really want to do that. So that is, that is the personal breakthrough that, um, yeah, I want to be held accountable for. And that's why I'm saying it out loud here but I also hope that I find the motivation in myself, which is why I was saying that breakups can often provide us with that motivation. We don't have to search, whether it be from spite, to be honest with you, that we want to prove the other person wrong or we want to get to the best version of ourselves because that person didn't have faith that we could ever be that. Um, or you do it for you because you want to be in a healthier state and you want to invite more love and comfort into your life. Whatever the case is, I just do genuinely believe that this particular loss in your life can really motivate you. So I don't lack understanding of what I need to do. I might be lacking in motivation, but hopefully um, hopefully that kind of clicks into place. And I'm making decisions despite the fact that I don't totally feel at will to do them. I went for a run today. I did not feel in the mood at all. I literally ran a 13 minute mile. I used, my body is capable of running a four minute mile. Um, so I would have lapped myself damn near twice, but I went out and I did it. And that's really what counts. I'm clearly out of breath, even just having this dialogue. So <laughs> um, thank you so much to everybody who's like listening to the podcast. Oh, I wanted to do something. It's probably late. You're probably already gone, but I want to read some five-star reviews to encourage everybody else to get your ass on Apple and Spotify and do that shit, man. Ali Cott, thank you so much for leaving a review. You said amazing show, really into all the topics. Um, Stephen L. Duke said, thank you for answering questions no one else could for me. Modern Goblin says, as a man who works on some pretty heavy internalized misogyny, Shambuti and crew helped me move forward toward empathy with women more than anyone else. Oh, what a good review. Taco about it. Taco, bitch, taco about it. <laughs> This podcast gets this podcast gets me every time. Um, and then Piscean Blue says, "Wow!" And those are just the top six that I can see right now. Please, I'm begging you. I've been begging you. It just makes a huge difference. And I'll come up with more incentives because I just want to make sure that I'm giving back to you because I do understand that your time is valuable. And that this extra step you've already given me 45 minutes, so I know a few minutes more is a lot. So I'll figure it out. We'll brainstorm it together. We're, we're in relationship, we're in dialogue. And so we'll talk next week and hopefully I'll have something for you. Wait a second. Before I go, can we just geek out together that we're nominated for an Ambi? And who else is in our category? Oh, just Jay Shetty and Glennon Doyle and Hoda from the Today Show and a couple of other really incredible podcasts that have been around much longer and get listened to by a lot more people. So I'm very, very honored. And more than anything else, I'm super, 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 super. I'm super, super grateful to all of you. I've talked too much. Okay, bye for real. Lovers and friends. Lovers and friends. I'ma take you on a trip, baby. I don't pretend. I said, lovers and friends. Uh, I'ma hold you down, down to the end. I said, lovers and friends. Uh, lovers and friends. And I said, lovers and friends. Uh, I'ma hold you down, down to the end. I said. Thank you.